Today's episode is brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode 91. It is the second week of January 2022. I am very hopeful that you all had a great holiday and are off to a great start in the new year. I will say this, 2022 is already off to a weird start, um, starting with uh, Dr. Fauci getting busted for lying about the development of the Rona. That was, you know, who didn't see that coming? Also, the CEO of Pfizer just admitted that the first two shots don't amount to anything. They don't do anything for the Rona and that he himself isn't vaccinated. I mean, it's completely amazing. What a world we live in. Um, in either event, it's only going to get weirder out there. So folks, stay as healthy as you can. Take your vitamin C, take your vitamin D and some zinc daily so that your immune system is as healthy as it possibly can be. You know, eat better, get your exercise in, do whatever you can because we have racing to do this year, folks, and you have to be healthy to do that. Um, certainly understand it is out there and real, but we can do some things to combat that. And so you want to just do everything you can uh, to, you know, take that out of the equation a little bit. Um, and, you know, what I would say this there's no doubt there are going to be some changes from the sanctioning bodies. Uh, just from the standpoint that uh, it's still out there. But racing season is going to start up here before you know it. And, you know, uh, that, that is great. So we're going to excited to be here with you to start the year. And, man, do we have some great guests lined up for you the beginning of the year and exciting stuff to talk about with the race season. From a housekeeping standpoint, a couple things. Um, first of all, we got the marketing department cranked up over the break. We uh, 
man, we said, listen, we need a slogan for the Fast Brackets podcast. And and they were great. They came up with a great slogan. It was like, eh, it's all right. So there it is. The Fast Bracket podcast, it's all right, um, is uh, the new slogan for this year, I suppose. So uh, I don't know. We'll, I'm not sure if I should pay them or not, actually, for that. But uh, that is one thing. The other thing from a housekeeping standpoint You can look forward to essentially two episodes per month um, here for the first quarter of 2022, January, February, and March. Obviously, we'll get you two great episodes as it's a little slower. Then we'll get a little more regular when the racing action peaks up a little bit, uh, you know, once we get into April, May, etc. So from that standpoint, just just know that's how we're going to operate early in the year. you know, and we might as well get to it. We've got great guests. I mean, this is this is going on the fourth year, and I am so excited, so excited. Um, and on with us today, first of all, we have a repeat guest, Steve Kasner. He's a standout top dragster racer from D7. He was on earlier on episode number seven, came back with us today. It was fantastic to talk about different things we could potentially do to make our classes a little better. We'd love that. Also, Allison Dahl will join us. She is the former Stock Eliminator World Champion, and she's an executive at Porta Tree Timing Systems. So get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute. Clean the shop. Work on that old heap. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on. Get strapped in. Because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box and talk about what the only thing we could possibly talk about this week, which is New Year's resolutions. And I'm sure we've all got them, done them in the past. I myself do not get into it. I try very hard not to do the New Year's resolution as we know they don't work. You know, this time of year, your gym is going to be full of people you've never seen before and they will be gone again in about a week and a half. So don't sweat it. They uh, will be out of your way soon because that's how New Year's resolutions always work. People say, this is what I'm going to do this year and they do not stick. What sticks is habit. So if you can get yourself into a better habit, those things tend to stick. Resolutions do not. That said, I am very curious um, about goals that you have set for your race program this year. I am really interested. I would love the feedback. You know how to get at me. What are the goals you've set for your program? Is it to run a certain number? or a mile per hour? Is it to win a certain number of events or is it to get better at some aspect of your program? I am curious. I want to know what type of things you have set goals for yourself this year and how you expect to achieve them. So get it in. Uh, Please DM me, send me emails, whatever it might be. I am curious. No goal is too small. We're all at different points in the program and especially Uh, In our classes, obviously, ETs are sometimes important, sometimes not. But I would be really curious um, to hear what 
you have to say about your goals for this year. Um, let me know. I want to hear them. All right, let's put this thing in the beams presented by AFCO Racing Products. On with us now, coming back after a long hiatus. He was on episode number seven. And if you have completely screwed up your life and you did not listen to episode number seven, stop right now, go back, listen to episode number seven, where my man, Steve Kasner from Sheridan, California, came on and gave us an unbelievable winning story. And he is back. Welcome to the show from Kasner Racing Enterprises. Welcome back to the show, I should say. Steve Kasner, how you doing, my man? Oh, I'm doing excellent, Rex. I appreciate you having me back on. Brother, you killed it last time, and I mean that. If uh, folks have not listened to episode number seven, that is worth the listen because it is um, an unbelievable story, and I wouldn't believe it had I not seen the data myself and you come on and uh, and told us that story. It was, it was awesome. Um, do you have another story um, like that one this time for us? <laughs> uh, probably got a few of them, but... Uh... <laughs> Nothing that's going to top that one. That one was uh, that one was probably the, the all time best for for me as far as uh, coming back from uh, you know thinking I wasn't going to be able to race in the final to actually coming back and winning it. Uh, but uh, yeah, since then I've had some more fun at Vegas, but uh, nothing like that one. Yeah, that was that was impressive. Um, I don't I don't know if you could have really drawn it up uh, any better like that. I mean, it was just a really kind of a miracle type thing. And Vegas seems to do that, right? It seems to either give you like uh, this unbelievable win, and you you know you're leaving Vegas going, man, this is the greatest thing ever, or you are scrambling away from Vegas, uh, you know, like thinking. Why did I go there? I should never go back. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a place that you you hate and love to go. Um, <laughs> right. I, the facility, everything is phenomenal. It just my uh, my luck there is uh, just not the best. But then on the other hand, you know you have a situation like I had before, and you know you think you can't do anything wrong, and, and the luck comes the other way. Yeah, it's a it, it it's a fantastic place, and you you mentioned the facility, and then there's just there is just something about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that that's good stuff. So I'm I'm excited to hear what is next for you, um, and maybe maybe catch us up a little bit because it's been I believe two years. You got in early, um, you know you you've had a lot of success in your racing career, but you got in early to the Fast Brackets podcast episode number seven. What has been going on? in in the last since then since when you came on last well uh since then uh, I, I mean obviously with this uh this virus situation uh you know the world has changed quite a bit but uh i teamed up not too long after that with uh, art hoover and uh, we've been running the last two years together i've been running uh, one of his nitrous cars and uh you know doing doing okay and We've uh, recently uh, decided to go away from the nitrous stuff and build two new complete cars uh, going with the Vortex supercharger deal with the ComSync fuel injection and uh, building the cars around them. 
and uh, looking to, to go fast. Uh, Art and uh, Tiffany had a, uh, you know, a little bit of a reason that they wanted to go faster, so uh, we're making that happen. Yeah, they, you. I mean, you're and you're going away from a combination that I know you personally have spent a lot of time with, which is the nitrous stuff. What possessed you to go away from what you know to to a Vortec and comp sync and or all that stuff? What what uh, what was the driving force behind that? Well, a new challenge, obviously. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. always fun. Uh, but you know, for, for art to step up and, and go six tens with the nitrous car with two cars and one trailer, uh, was going to be pretty rough. Um, so we decided to, uh, try something a little bit different and, uh, the cars that we've been running come from Danny Nelson and, uh, you know, Danny and art are really good friends and, uh, you know, Danny's got the Vortec comp sync deal that he ran, you know, last part of last year and, sure. uh, you know, it's, it's just been a really good combination and we figured that was probably the, you know, if we're going to jump in, let's jump in full bore and, uh, you know, do it, do it all the right way to start with. I love it. I love it. So, um, you've got two of them there, like little, little twins, right? Like a little surprise, like, Hey, uh, we, you know, we're going to bring something new into the world. And then there they are two of them. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So we'll have two pretty much identical combinations. Uh, you know, they'll be slightly different, but, uh, you know, we'll be able to tune off each other and work off each other. And then uh, we'll still have our nitrous cars that we'll keep uh, keep kind of in the local slower bracket race program and, uh, you know, quick fields, uh, you know, quick 16 stuff locally. Uh, but then, you know, we'll have the ability to go to the Division 4, Division 3, you know, Division 2, anywhere we want to go, uh, you know, and, and have the ability to qualify at the top of the field if we need to. Gotcha. So in addition to your normal 10 hour trips in division, you said, why not tack on another 10 or 15 and go farther east? Is that what yeah, I'm hearing? We, that way we can take, yeah, we can take the rig <laughs> and we can leave it somewhere and, uh, you know, leave it there for a month or, or whatever, or a month mm-hmm. and a half and, uh, you know, fly back and forth and race some of those races that, uh, you know, we want to race. Uh, Art and Tiffany really would like to see some of the other racetracks, uh, you know, they've got on their, their bucket list that they want to to race at. So, uh, we're going to make that happen. I love it. I, I love it. Jump on in. The water's warm. Um, I know that, uh, you know, the, the, all the folks out East will be happy to, happy to have you and, uh, you know, run that run right up against that six ten index whenever you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I mean, <laughs> everybody's got more power than they need nowadays. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> when you got, uh, qualifying fields in Indy, when you have what, 28 cars under six nineteen or it something. It was amazing, like man. It was amazing. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, that it is so amazing. And, and, uh, you know, reliable, seems like the reliable power is out there now, which is, which is crazy, but it does bring yeah. us that's the amazing thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's reliable and not, uh, things not blowing up all the time. Like it used to be to run that number, but, uh, it does bring us to an interesting subject and one that you brought up on Facebook, you made a post, which was, um, I'm, I'm just, cause I know you as a guy that is not into complaining, you're into, Hey, how do we tweak this thing to make it better? Which is right up my alley and so when i saw this facebook post I, I loved it and you essentially broke it down like this you said 
here's how we make our classes better. And I love it. And you correct me where I've got this wrong, but you said, hey, let's let's change a few rules. One, let's make every field 32 cars. Um, you know, division six, they go to 48 division. You know, there's those fields. You said every field should be 32 cars, except for the Vegas end of the year when make that 64. Is that, is that something you'd like to see happen, uh, crossed across all divisions? Yeah. I, I mean, it, I've said it for a number of years that that's what needs to happen, but, uh, you know, for some reason, it, it never happens with the seven division directors, uh, you know, getting together and agreeing. But uh, it, it just makes complete sense that everybody is on a level playing field as far as points. Uh, the 32 car field implemented in Division six will make zero changes in the program up there uh, because they don't get enough cars to even field a 32 car field. So, you know, that's irrelevant, really. But the Division 7 side is the one that, uh, you know, probably needs the the biggest uh, change because we're still at 48. We don't fill the 48-car field. So we end up with, you know, 33 to 40 cars, which gives us buy runs and all this other crap that I don't really think, you know, we need in a, a fast bracket program. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just don't like the buy run situation especially when, the, you know, you're coming down to a semifinal and you got a buy run. Yeah, I, I've never, so, that's never made sense to me. Um, and I, I know it's part of bracket racing and all this stuff, but I, I've always felt like the buys need to be early so that, you know, you earn as you go, in, you know, let's call it, the, you know, the quarterfinals on, you earn every round there. I mean, it never made sense to me to watch a competitor have a buy run where I have to earn my way into that. But, you know, uh, I know that can be debated, but. I think I'm with you on that one. Yeah, it's, you know, the 33-car ladder, you know, number one qualifier has the opportunity to two buys, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, your number one qualifier, yeah, if there's a buy run, I think you deserve it, but two of them, <laughs> right. you know, that gets, that gets a little rough. Um, so, yeah, I, it's just, it makes sense to me. I, I just don't understand, uh, you know, the thought process. Everybody says, well, if you make a 32-car field, you're, you know, you're going to eliminate a bunch of cars. We're not going to get as many. Well, that's maybe so in Division 7. You know, what, are we going to lose five cars maybe? Or are we going to actually gain some? I, I don't know. It's, yeah. that, that's a tough call here. But, but having one division, you know, having the opportunity – for you know m- more points for the win on a national championship level just doesn't make sense yeah the the points are are the issue right the fact that um yeah you would you would expect the car field actually hurts you unless you win right you know we get right. less points you know per round uh you know we, we'll get uh uh you know if you go if you win five rounds in division seven you're getting 84 points. Right. If you went five rounds in division four, you're getting 95 points. So you can look at it that way too. And then when you explain that to the guys that are proponents of 48 car fields, they go, Oh, right. Well, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, so yeah, the, the standardization to me is, uh, is, is such a clear winner in that. I mean, they just, it, it, you know, you hate to have someone, win or lose the championship based on where they live. That's kind of where I, I fall. I'm like, I, I wouldn't want someone who just lives out West to either 
have an advantage or a disadvantage from someone who lives out east. And that's the only thing, like you've mentioned, you said, hey, we, we talked about Vegas and the allure of Vegas. And I think everybody knows where I stand, which is if you have a chance to go to Vegas, you should go to Vegas. Um, that said, um, I, I'm not sure. I, I you, you know, you mentioned that maybe the last race of the year, that Vegas divisional should have 64 cars. And I like that idea, but I also think probably there should be one on the on the East Coast maybe so that if you live, I don't know what the farthest east point of the United States is, maybe somebody can help me out with that. But um, you wouldn't have to haul to Vegas on that last race to do it. Maybe there should be an equivalent East Coast one, maybe Orlando or St. Louis or whatever it might be. I don't know what the last kind of East Coast race of the year is. How do you feel about that and kind of giving at least one uh, for I, each I mean, coast? That, that would... Uh that would definitely be something to think about. The main reason why I was saying a 64 car field at the last race, mm-hmm. uh, was number one that, uh, you know, the last race of the year in Vegas seems to be able to actually get a 64 car field. We'll have enough yeah. cars that come. And then if somebody is in a points battle, whether they're from, or they're from Orlando or they're from, you know, New York or whatever, it gives them an opportunity to, Hey, I do have a shot with that extra 20 points right? or 10 points with a 10 points, I guess, Um, you you know, that they can make a decision. Yeah. I do want to travel to that. I want to give it all my, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good thought process. And certainly I, um, I know the people that are making those decisions, they're, they're not easy to make, but to me, those are pretty sound um, changes to the program that would be for the benefit of the sport. I think those those are no brainers. Let's uh, let's go to the next one, which I think um, you know. If <laughs> I think you and I are on the same page here, and this is a lesson to all the listeners: if you want to get on the show, just agree with me, just agree with what I have to say, and then you'll come right on the show, like Steve today. Um, I'm joking clearly about this, but the <laughs> next the next topic you said was: should we be racing to a thousand foot instead of the thirteen twenty? That's that's one that I've uh, I, I mean I've been a proponent of for a number of years. Um, and last time I brought it up, uh, I would I would say it was oh probably probably three or four years ago, and uh, met with you know a lot of negativity. And that was a kind of at the same time that the six ten thing was being implemented, and uh, you know we were starting to lose racers because they didn't want to slow their stuff down, and just kind of a a weird scenario going on going on with uh you know the fast guys mm-hmm. and we've lost we've lost a number of those fast guys and they're out running pdra and they're out running everything else and not running uh nhra top drags or top sportsmen and my thoughts on the thousand foot is it gives us an opportunity for a number of different things the biggest one is is the safety aspect uh I mean, we're going 230, 240 miles an hour uh, at some of these racetracks that, uh, you know, I, I won't say they're not safe. I'm just saying you have to be on your game to get the car stopped and around the corner. Yeah. And when we start, uh, you know, bracket racing these things and in, in eliminations, it, it becomes an issue because yep. we'll be we'll be driving the finish line. Uh, we'll do be doing what we need to do. And then all of a sudden we're 300 plus feet by the finish line before we got the shoots out. Right. And well, and behold, you know, you lose that hundred yards at, a, at some of these racetracks and we're going to be in trouble. 
So, I, I mean, I look at it as a safety thing. Um, mm-hmm. And what that might enable us to do is work with NHRA to come up with a minimum that uh, might be equivalent to a, you know, a 580, 590 quarter mile time. Right. So now we can get some of these PDRA guys that can go 366, you know, that, that are hauling ass to maybe, uh, you know, come play in the NHRA game. Yeah, I like that. Which, uh, you know, who knows if that would happen or not, but, I mean, it gives another situation or another opportunity for us to get, you know, our, our fast fields back yeah, uh, and fast full fields back. So, you know, running 1,000 feet, I mean, I'm sure guys would very quickly be running 230 miles an hour at, at 1,000 feet. Yep. So people are going to say, well, you didn't solve anything. They're still going 230 miles an hour. I'm like, Yes, that's true. They're still going to be going 230, but now we have 300 feet more to stop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, that is, uh, you know, I don't know that there's a lot of advantage and there's a lot of, um, or a lot of disadvantage, but there's a lot of advantage to me to going to 1,000 foot, I think. I mean, just from the safety factor and then uh, guys that get to uncork it a little bit. And let's be honest, that's that's why, um, you know, a lot of people are out there. They're, they want to see how fast the car goes, and and uh, it would allow to retweak that 610 rule a little bit. And I, I love that rule, and I've kind of – you know, uh, listeners to the show will know that I've talked about that on and off for a while. And, and I think that's a, a big benefit. I really do. Um, most of the country has been going eighth mile for a long time, at least in bracket racing. And let's be honest, most of these tracks, when they were built, they couldn't even fathom a car would go 240 miles an hour on the, you know, regularly. I mean, they could, you know, you do the guys that were building that, they would have never guessed that. And so it's not, it's not anybody's fault. It's not the racetrack's fault. It just is what it is in terms of uh, development and moving forward. Right. And, and, you know, the, the length of a drag strip, I mean, why shouldn't it uh, evolve in the sport like everything else does? Right. Uh, drag racing in the early 50s were, were half mile long. Um, distances running at runways in Southern California and so forth. And the reason they ran a half a mile is because that gave them enough to stop. Yeah. And then what happened was everybody started going faster and then they shortened it to quarter mile so they could stop on these runways, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just stuck at a quarter mile since then. And you're going to have diehard quarter mile racers that drag racing is quarter mile. That's all it is. If you change it, I quit. That's, I, I mean, that's a, a stubborn attitude. I can understand it, but you know, I is uh, you know we evolve. We got to kind of look at different situations. I mean, I would never suggest you know ten ninety category or eight ninety nine ninety the super categories. You know, go to a thousand foot. I don't see that being any advantage whatsoever. But uh, in what we're doing in our fast bracket racing totally makes sense to me yeah um i i'm i'm with you 100 percent on that or i would how about a thousand percent on that because i think that's uh it, it's the right direction that that's quite simply the right direction um the other thing you mentioned was a um about a single drive shaft um input traction control sensor is that something you yes. think is um good for the sport I personally would would be agreeable to that, um, and I think there is some benefits to it. Um, 
not so much probably in top dragster, but uh, in top sportsman, I can I can see those guys almost requiring it or needing it. Uh, if you watch qualifying or, or eliminations, you're going to see these cars skating and moving a lot on these racetracks, especially when we're running at night. Mm-hmm. And it just would act as a one more little safety item, uh, you know, to maybe save somebody, um, you know, for, from having an issue. Uh, it's not going to make the cars run the number every time. You know, it's not going to have any you know, major significance as far as, uh, you know, repeatability and so forth. It's just going to kind of help somebody that might be out of shape that uh, doesn't catch it in time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could see that. I mean, again, these cars are going so fast. Um, it, it just doesn't take much to be in a big problem, you know, and if we can help somebody save, you know, save their equipment, save their life. Um, I think I'm all for that. Um, you know, that's, uh, there's going to be two sides to that, I think, but, uh, I, I can get on that from the safety standpoint. Um, you yeah, know, I think else. that'll be a controversial one, uh, normally or, or mainly because I think most people don't, I shouldn't say most people. I, I, I think racers in general don't have a complete understanding of how the traction control, a single input traction control unit would work. Um, you know, so I think if some investigation is done and they learn what actually takes place, you know, that they might be for it. Um, I have a number of my transmission guys, uh, customers that, uh, you know, have three or four input traction control deals for their no prep racing and and so forth. And it's crazy the control that you can have with their traction control stuff. And I'm not in no means saying that should be legal. Um, you know, just one input sensor on a drive shaft, that's it. No front wheel sensors, no infrared sensors, no, you know, no monitoring of that stuff. But just something to uh, keep you from wadding it up if, if it gets really sideways. Yeah, just, you know? I mean, if it, if it knocks the tire off, it knocks the timing out on you before you even know what happened. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, I like that one. Um, and then one I really like, um, you, you mentioned here, you said back up girls mandatory for every car <laughs> in top sportsman, top dragster. I'm, I'm all for that. <laughs> well, who couldn't be? And then it can be backup guys for the women drivers. Cause we got a number of very, very serious, uh, you know, high competition, you know, women that are driving these things. So no doubt now that was, uh, I threw that in there to, to, to make everybody try to figure out if I was being serious with the stuff in front of that or, uh, or not. <laughs> well, I think there is some value in something along those lines and, and you're right. We have great, uh, female drivers in our sport. And, you know, if, if I don't know, I, I wouldn't just even know what a good backup guy would look like. So that's really outside <laughs> of my expertise. But I do know what a girl, good backup girl looks like, and I think the more of those, the better. The better, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good for our sport. There, there is a thing that you know the sport was kind of built on this testosterone, and uh, you know, um, uh, you know, there anything I think we can bring back that is good for it. It brings the excitement to it. Um, you know, clearly that's being facetious in, in our world, but, uh, I think it would bring some fun back into it. Um, you know, um, anything else that you mentioned on the door that got mentioned, um, and since then that you think, you know, that'd be a, that'd be a good tweak to the, to the classes that would be help 
help the classes in general terms? Uh, I mean, I think that's the the two kind of key items that that seem to be brought up, you know, in conversations is the thousand foot deal and, uh, you know, kind of eliminating our our minimum dial. I shouldn't say eliminating our minimum dial because we're still going to have one. Sure. But uh, getting it to a point to where, you know, I'd have to work out the numbers, what the minimum would be at a thousand feet, you know, with the 366 uh, eighth mile minimum, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just think it would be a, you know, time for a good change for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I I'm going to only add one more thing. And I, I think you probably know where I'm going with this. And I, I think we should legalize gambling. So we need gambling on these classes as well, uh, legalized form. So I, I think that would add to it as well, but everything else, hundred percent on board with Steve. Yeah, no, I I think uh, I think it's going to be an interesting year again with the the COVID restrictions and uh, scheduling, and uh, hopefully we can keep keep guys coming out and racing and keep participation up. Yeah, um, it, certainly, right? It's uh, again, it's we're going to be dealing with some schedule changes. Um, you know, uh, poor Chris Osborne at PAC um, Racing Springs. You know, they put out this beautiful. Um, calendar every year at least they have would had all the series and then it just gets completely mucked up and I'm, I'm guessing they probably need to punt for this year again too but uh, you know from that standpoint um, I appreciate you coming on always love uh, catching up with you and and talking you know our classes and maybe how we make them just a little bit better and really wish you well on the new endeavor with the uh, with the turbo or the, uh, the Vortec deal. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. And uh, I wish you the best with your new venture you're working on. Sounds pretty exciting and uh, be pretty revolutionizing for the sport. That's it. You know what? We're going to tag you, Steve. You get the podcast certification. You can come on whenever you want um, from here on out. Congratulations. Um, I'll make sure uh, producer Chris gets you tagged appropriately. Uh, come back on and, and tell us about uh, – you know, tell us about the the new cars whenever you get them ironed out. How about that? Sounds great. All awesome. right, guys, girls, that was the great Steve Kasner, the podcast certified Steve Kasner. If you need. Him. All right, as we hit the half track report, today's. Half Track Report is presented by Drag Race. Actually, no, it's not presented by Drag Race Lawyer like it always is. Today, it is sponsored by the Pat Rogers Midwest Practice Tree Race presented by Live On and, or I should say Team Live On. And with us today from Team Live On is Jonathan Rogers. Jonathan, how are you today, my man? I'm doing good. You know, we don't have... Yeah, right. Um, we we don't really have, obviously, any events to cover right now. This is really practice tree race season. And you guys have, uh, you know, the 11th annual one. You have one of the bigger practice tree races, if not the biggest, in the Midwest. Um, talk a little bit about how this practice tree race was started and why it means so much to you. Well, uh uh, I say it's say 11th annual. It's it's not our 11th year doing it. Uh, it was originally started by my brother. He passed away in 2015. 
he originally started doing it mainly as, hey, I need to get, you know, I want to be around racers and I need to get people in the bar and where. He owned a couple bars and uh, he so he said, let's start doing Bradshaw races. You know, he did it for five years and then he uh, he kind of uh, he sold a couple of bars and got out of the bar business and uh, so it kind of it kind of fell off there for a few years. And then after he passed away, I was like, you know what? I got to do something positive. I don't, you know, everybody wants to, and that's nothing against that, but, you know, I just didn't want to remember him for, and think about the bad stuff. You know, I was like, hey, I want to remember the good stuff. The crash race races were always fun. They're in the middle of winter. They break it up, you know, when you're not racing. I was like, let's bring this back and uh, let's just do something that, you know, we don't have to make a lot of money. We can raise some money for a charity. Let's just, you know, let's do that. And, and something to remember him by, you know, and, and then we give racers something to do in the winter. I love it. I love it. Um, so it sounds like he he really enjoyed this event as well. And, uh, you know, what I enjoy about it is I am guaranteed not to break anything when I'm out there. You know, I can stage <laughs> it up. I guarantee I will not break anything. Well, I won't break anything on the car. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, luckily, we haven't had any uh, injuries or breakage <laughs> at the event to this point. Now, I can't guarantee that some of these guys, you know, you're in pressure, you can't get over by cars and stuff like that. And, you know, they, they like to have fun. I, I can't argue with that. I'm, I'm not going to tell somebody they can't have fun. That's for sure. Right. Uh, well, give us some details on, on the race itself. So uh, where is it located? Um, and, well, let's start with the date, right? Let, when When is this thing? Uh, it's January 22nd, so not this Saturday, but next Saturday. Okay. And uh, uh, it's at – it's in – Go ahead. Yeah, where where is it? Where exactly is it at? I know roughly where it's at, but tell me exactly where it's at. So we hold it at Pekin, Illinois, which uh, we're about twenty minutes south of Peoria, Illinois. If anybody knows where that's at, uh, we do it at the Pekin Moose Lodge, right in Pekin. It's it's kind of on the outskirts of Pekin a little bit. Pretty easily accessible by uh, some some highways and stuff. You're not too far off from the main highways and stuff for people coming that are coming a pretty far distance. Yep. Um, it's just a big banquet room right there at the Moose, and they they accommodate us pretty well. So, yeah, and and for those of you that don't know, Pekin is, uh, I mean, it's in the middle of Illinois, so it is uh, pretty centrally located. I mean, for people that are making a quick drive, it is it is easy. Uh, this time of year will be cold, but it'll be an easy drive. Yeah, we're right off of uh, a couple major highways there. You know, fifty five runs right by up by us, and then uh, seventy four and four seventy four. Or all make it pretty easily accessible. Pekin, the signs are pretty out there to get there, and you can put the Pekin Moose Lodge right in your GPS. And I mean, it'll take you right there to us. It's pretty easy to find. Yeah, um, that, that makes sense. And then, um, how does it work? How many races do you have during the course of the day? This is starts at, uh, I'm guessing, kind of a noon schedule, and then kind of runs from there. How does that work? Yep. So, so we open up the doors at noon, right at noon, and then we have open time runs from noon to two, and then I do. Uh, a lot of you guys don't do this. I do a 16 and under race. Um, you have to be 16 years old or under. It's kind of for the junior guys and then uh, the younger people to get up there and they get to the, go to the practice tree. It's just a $10 entry fee. You can enter two times, uh, first round buybacks, and then I 100% pay back that race. Um, if you enter it, you know, I, I don't want anything from it. I just want the kids to have the chance to, to sit, sit up in front of people that, you know, they get to watch race all the time. Well, they get to sit in front of them and they get to watch them race. I love you know, it. then the winner of that race... The winner of that race also gets an entry into our main event. Okay. So, so yeah. So, like, 
I know the first couple of years we did that 1600 race and they thought they couldn't race the main event. So I was like, no, I'm just going to give you an entry to the main event. That way you understand you can race it. You know, there's no age limit on the main event. Right. Um, it gets a little more serious. Uh, the main events, you know, we followed up right after that 16 and under race. It's a $25 entry fee, $10 buyback for you, first round buybacks only. Uh, it's $2,000 guaranteed to win. And uh, last year we started doing this too. We, you can enter four times in the main event, and then we do another class that runs right along with the main event. It's bottom bold class. You're allowed to put 30 in the delay box, or 300 in the delay box, excuse me. Um, and you go off the bottom. And then when you get down to one of the bottom, uh, we pay that winner the bottom bold bonus. And they get thrown right into the main event. They go right in. If you're in a round of money by that point, you go right in. You get a chance to win two grand. So you you put a you buy in for a hundred bucks. That gives you four entry fees or four entries, and then you can kind of race uh, most of the afternoon, evening. Then, or at least you would hope. You'd hope you'd have a few that would yeah. uh, move on to some rounds, right? That's pretty reasonable yeah, for yeah. for what the winning is, right? Yeah, technically, if you, if you, you can enter five times, if, you, if you're comfortable on the bottom, I can't do it. There's guys out there that are really good at it, and so they can enter five times. You can enter the main event four times and enter your bottom bulb side, and it still guarantees 200 bucks or two grand to win. You know, it's $125 in entry fees. I mean, relatively speaking, for two grand, that's not horrible money. Yeah. Um, but you get, five, you get five cracks at two grand. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, and this time of year, man, if we're if we're letting go of the button in any way, shape, or form, that's good news, I think. And I mean, this time of year, it's a we don't get to race at all. So uh, at least in the Midwest, so I think just letting go of the button as many times as we can is good stuff. Yeah, especially some repetition. You know, and I, I people preach it all the time. Just repetition, of letting go of that button, just seeing the light and letting go. Yeah. You know, it's, if anything, just it's practice in the middle of winter. And yeah, you're right. There's I'm looking out the window right now my house. I got an inch of snow on the ground. Driveway was all froze up. You know, you're not going racing in this weather, not unless you want to travel, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours south. Yeah, I mean, I would do it, John, but I mean, I don't I don't know if I, you know, right now <laughs> I got other stuff to do. But, uh, no, that's that's great stuff. Well, tell tell our listeners how they can, um, you know, that how they can – learn more, um, you know, get all the details. If they're like me, they kind of got to look at it. Where, where's the best way for them to get this information for so, themselves? So the best way to find us is uh, through our Facebook page. Uh, it's Team Live On. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook. Uh, the event is a public page there, so anybody can view it, go on, see. They can see we do uh, raffles and 50-50s and silent auctions. You know, a lot of it's race car stuff. Some of it's not, you know, so it tailors to – uh, just everybody, you know, we tailor, try to tailor all of our stuff. I try to make sure that if you come to the event, you leave with something in your hand. You know, you don't feel like you come up just for nothing. And then, uh, so we do raffles, the 50 fifties and the silent auction stuff. And then all the money we make off the raffles, the 50 fifties, the silent auction stuff. Uh, we donate that to, uh, the V foundation, which is, uh, Jimmy V is after late Jimmy V oh, college sure. head coach. And, uh, all that money goes right to them. Um, so it, like, it's just for a good cause for the raffles and the 50 fifties and stuff. And there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, a lot of guys, a lot of good companies step up and help us. So, you know, and they just send this stuff and it's, it's, you know, my family puts a lot of time and effort into it. They got a lot of great family and friends and it's just a good time. It's just, and right now in this world we're living in, everybody kind of just needs something to relax and have fun. With. Man, that is uh, no doubt. And the Jimmy V foundation is a, a really solid uh, foundation that, you know, 
works to help curing cancer. Um, the great Jim Valvano, um, you know, created that. And it, so I know that's a very solid, solid organization. Um, and then I mean, talking about just having a good time, then it, what, what am I reading here? We've got a band at the end of the evening as well. So we get, we get to yeah, uh, shake uh, so, our tar- tail feather. Is that how it works? <laughs> I'm not sure that's a saying anymore. Though. I guess it was. <laughs> uh, it, that kind of is our, our tribute to our brother, uh, Pat. Uh, obviously, so he owned the bars and, and all pubs and stuff. And his thing was, uh, you know, he would throw a band up on a Saturday night no matter what. Well, then he's having these scratch race. Well, the band's always just turned into the after party. So we don't have to do it. You know, it's one of those things we didn't really have to. I mean, we're not making any money from it, but from doing a band, it's kind of more, it's more just for entertainment. Yeah. And uh, all these guys are, you know, knew my brother personally. You know, they get up and they do, they don't play together normally. There's there's four of them. I've got rumors of a fifth guy coming. And they get up and they just, you know, they play acoustic show. uh, And it's just, you know, they don't play together generally. But, man, they get together. And my brother used to call it the acoustic all-stars because you put a bunch of guys that, just have a good a lot of talent it's yeah. amazing what they can do with yeah. the guitar it's just you know and they get up and they just have a good time it's, it's pretty fun it's pretty relaxed though guys so i mean yeah the other night if, if you're staying you know if you stay in town you, you, you can't miss that show and it's a free show and then like so we have people that come in town that come out after the race just to watch it yeah you know, it's just a good time well uh Guys, girls, um, if you need to let go of the button, um, if you just got that itch and you are within driving distance of Pekin, Illinois, you need to make that happen. You need to make the Team Live On 11th Annual Pat Rogers Practice Tree Race. It's guaranteed to be a good time. You might make some money, and you will definitely donate to a good cause. Uh, John, appreciate you coming on and uh, filling us in on, on all that you've got going on next weekend. I appreciate it, Rex. Thanks for the time. That was John Rogers with the Team Live On 11th Annual Practice Tree Race uh, that he's having next weekend. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just a minute here and bring on your 2019 NHRA Stock Eliminator World Champion, she is also the head of product design and development at Porta Tree Timing Systems. Please welcome to the show, Allison Dahl. Allison, how are you today? I'm excellent. I mean, it's a little cold up here, but other than that, we're uh, doing great. <laughs> yeah. What What part of the world are you in right now? Um, I'm from Massachusetts, so I'm sitting in Massachusetts right now where it's about seven degrees. <laughs> It's rough. That is so rough. I mean, on top of us not being able to drag race, we have to deal with freezing uh, weather and I'm guessing some snowfall up that way. It's it's awful. It's an awful time to be alive. <laughs> but, you know, in, in just uh, two short weeks, the uh, season opener is going to be in um, or three short weeks in Pomona. So, I mean, there's a lot to look forward to, too. It's so true. It's so true. That's uh, that's great. And you've done that. You have competed at a high level, um, winning the the uh, Stock Eliminator World Championship uh, just two years ago. Um, talk to us a little bit about what your racing season looks like this year and, you know, kind of what goals you've set for yourself on the track. 
Yeah, so we've been having a problem with my car. So the main thing where I'm hoping to do this year is to finally get to the bottom of it, try to sort it out. Um, I think we're going to try to focus on some national events this year, assuming, you know, we get everything sorted out. Uh, And after, when you win a world championship, you get a gold card. And that's the intent of it is to be able to go to as many races as you'd like um, without really having to pay that much. Well, unfortunately, right after I won the championship, we had the world shut down due to COVID and I didn't really get to capitalize on the card as much as I was hoping. So, I mean, now I still don't have the card, you know, we no longer have it. So I have to pay to go to all the nationals now, but it's still nice. We still kind of want to do that to kind of have the feel as if it's, you know, the year after the championship and, and get a lot of nationals in and really enjoy ourselves. Yeah, I mean, you earned it, so you should get to, uh, you know, you should get a chance to, you know, get out there and and let people, you know, stage up against you going, man, I got to be, I got to be really as good as I can possibly be because that's the world champ right there, right? So I think that's, uh, that's excellent. You just, you got to get out there and do that, I think. Yeah, and you know, like there's so, each national event, I think, has its own flair. You know, it's not like a cookie cutter race. Everyone's a little bit different. So we'd really like to go to Norwalk, to Gainesville, and do some of the races that, you know, have a lot of meaning to us. So that's my hope. But, you know, plans change. But right now, that's what I'm hoping for. Understand, yeah. At, at this point, it's, uh, it feels like that, you know, and I, I, I don't wish it on anybody to have to make these decisions, but it does feel like the plans are changing again, you know, just with a lot of organizations, and that's not great. But uh, I'm very hopeful for you that you get out there and, and you're able to do uh, you know, kind of it's not a victory lap, but get to do the things that you would have uh, typically done in a normal year after a championship season. So uh, I'm I'm hopeful that you get to do that. Now, you mentioned we talk us through a little bit who is all we and and who goes on the road uh, with you when you're when you're racing. Yeah, so there's kind of a, a team of misfits up here, <laughs> but uh, it's we're all a. Uh, it's all family. It's uh, my husband and I, we both race together. My husband, Doug, um, came in second in the world in super comp uh, many years ago. And he's also comp eliminator world champion in 2016. So he's, you know, a hundred percent racing all the time. Um, And then my family, my, my mom, she doesn't race, but she loves to come to the track. My dad, uh, Al Smith, who founded Portatree, he races a Superstock AH Barracuda, and my brother Steve Smith. He also races. He has a Drag Pack Challenger, so it's just a racing family. I love it. I love it. So uh, you guys pack up uh, all the trailers and get out on there and and uh, really enjoy time as a family. Ben and and uh, I guess it's probably a little easier because you're winning as well during it, right? <laughs> that makes everything feel better, <laughs> doesn't it? Really. <laughs> because- it really does um, because, you know, we work together and race together and, and like we're, there's a lot of together time. So, you know, it can be stressful too, but it definitely is fun when, you know, you're on the winning side or when things are going well. Right. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you do for, you mentioned you work together. So let's talk about um, the Portatree systems. I mean, it's, 
you know, what I've known Portatree for, uh, you know, is especially this time of year with practice tree races and kind of getting doing practice tree stuff just on your own or whatever. But let's talk a little bit about all the things that Portatree does and what you do for them specifically. Yeah, we have a wide variety of products, you know, from practice trees like the Eliminator Next Gen and the Portatree Pocket, uh, full size practice trees, which is our national event tree all the way up to full track systems. Um, so we do have a quarter mile system at Lebanon Valley, New York, no problem raceway, Texas motorplex or some of the bigger tracks. Oh, and, wow. you know, we do full, yeah, full track timing. Um, and we also build simulator systems, which are really popular, like at trade shows with steering wheel assemblies. Um, and you used to see quite a few on the uh, NHRA midway at some of the national events. So we do all that kind of stuff too. I got you. So when, you know, in the midway, you're walking by there and it's whoever's trying to sell their product, but they've got a practice tree set up there. That's usually yours, correct? Correct. Yeah. You know, flashing lights attracts people <laughs> all over, you know, <laughs> um, even in museums, you know, like uh, the simulators are really popular for museums. And again, you know, flashing lights attracts people over to the exhibit. Um, one of the more memorable ones that I like that we sold that I can just come to the top of my mind would be was one of the museums was doing uh, a sports exhibit and they wanted to do the effects of reaction time in sports so of course they have a reaction time tool so the people could interact and um, see what their reaction times would be interesting I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems simple, right? See a light, let go of the button. That's it. Seems so simple, and uh, man, it is is not nearly as easy as what we, um, you know, act like it is. Just our, you know, or normal people would act like. Um, well, to me, this is uh, fascinating. I'm I'm so glad you you came on because what I know about our sport is that we would not be where we are today without the timing systems that we have. I mean, obviously we know kind of, uh, we've all probably heard the, the old stories. I, a great friend of mine, Jimmy Cowan once told me, he said, you know, he used to race at a track where there was just a guy at the end of the finish line that would flip a switch on whatever lane he thought won. Right. That was just, there was all heads mm-hmm. up. And so you, and then he said, you know, one night, everybody in the left lane won, like the last 15 races. And they were like, what happened, right? And so at the end of the night, they were like, man, I, I could have swore, you know, that guy in the right lane went in and the guy at the top end goes, the right lane bulb burnt out. So everybody in the left lane had to win, right? And so we've come uh, a long way from those days. And um, yeah, you know, I, I, and it's so intricate. Now we've got, you know, we're getting it to the 10 thousandths of a second. I mean, can you uh, tell us a little bit about the early days of, of Portatree and then, you know, what, I mean, just the amazement, I think, of how important this is to our sport. Yeah, so basically my dad got involved in drag racing when he was in college. Uh, he had a teacher at the time that was really into it and would take him up to New England Dragway and Connecticut Dragway um, to run his, his uh, 70 Barracuda. So he was like horrible with his reaction time. So he wanted to build himself something that he could practice like more like a test track. Okay. Um, And in fact, we still build test tracks. They're 
nowadays they're more popular with junior dragsters. You know, people have such powerful cars. I don't think you'd want to be launching one of those in the dra- uh, driveway, but teach <laughs> right. their own. Um, the neighbors so that's okay. kind of how it started. Yeah, I mean, if you have cool neighbors, you can launch anything you want in the driveway. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. Yeah, so that's kind of, it actually started, you know, with kind of somewhere in between a t- full timing system and a practice tree. Okay. So uh, they, they started building um, the, uh, basically, from there, they started building full quarter mile systems. And somewhere in there, for whatever reason, the practice trees really started taking off more than the timing systems at first. Okay. And then um, I would say in the early 2000s, um, Lebanon Valley gave us a chance, you know, let us install a quarter mile system uh, at their facility. And that's when things really bloomed. And they, the systems have come so far since then, um, our system specifically. And I mean, it's like night and day from what it was in early 2000 to now. And it's uh, so far advanced. It's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I think um, a lot of the older guys that are, and guys are girls that are racing. I mean, they, they probably have some time slips where it was handwritten, right? Uh, those time yeah. slips. I mean, it seems like forever For sure. ago. Um, and now we're getting, you know, very close where a lot of tracks are just going no just pull the app up and use the app on your phone for the time slip and that's that's pretty fascinating um but maybe just you know for the average racer who doesn't think about it they just pull into the track and you know unload their car and off they go i mean talk in very general terms about how much these timing systems cost to the track operators and you know how much time you know somebody like you make spends with them throughout the course of year making sure it's accurate for us racers because i i i know that i hadn't really thought about it much you know i was just like i just assume it works and that is uh man it's not always the case yeah so an eighth mile timing system could be like a ten thousand dollar to fifteen thousand dollar investment for a track whereas a quarter mile system could run anywhere from like twenty thousand to thirty thousand depending on you know do they want the bare basics or all the bells and whistles? So, I mean, there's a wide range, but I would say, you know, a top of the line eighth mile is probably around 15,000 and a, a top of the line quarter mile is somewhere around 25. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's um, not insignificant, right? That's not insignificant for a, no. a new track. And this, it's the, a big investment. Yeah. And that doesn't, you know, that and, probably doesn't include the, the scoreboards as well. I mean, does that, or there's those scoreboards are probably more, right? The scoreboards are additional. Um, we interface with a lot of different types of scoreboards. So if a track wants, they can buy them from us or they can buy them from someone else. You know, we try to be flexible. I kind of think of ours, you know, like the difference between iPhone and Android is that Android's more open source. Not to get, you know, into the iPhone Android argument. <laughs> but, right. Uh, iPhone's a closed system, you know, so like Apple makes everything for iPhone and you cannot buy anything else. Like if you want something for your iPhone, it has to come from Apple. Gotcha. Whereas Android, it's like, oh, you want to do this? Sure. Why not? So like Android's a lot more open. Um, so like our system, we try to be open. Like if you want to interface with our system and, and like add a new feature that we hadn't thought of, that's fine. Like just, you know, let us know what you need. And we try to work together with other companies. Um, one example that you brought up before is the time slip app people. 
Um, There's like four companies doing it now and I've tried to be support all of them just because I think it's such a great idea. I think there's room in the market for all four of the companies. Right. Yeah. I do really think that is um, what, you know, I know some people um, have maybe fought that a little bit for different reasons. And I I don't think those reasons are ill founded. I think they thought those through, but that said it it is where we're headed and I don't think we're going to have be printing much paper. Uh, very much longer, at least in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I still personally love to get the time slip. I feel like it's my souvenir from the event. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be screenshotting and printing my slips right off the app when, <laughs> right? when that time comes. But I mean, hey, there's nothing like taking a winning time slip and like putting it. I have a memory book and I just slap it in the memory book. And I'm like, it just makes me feel good every time I turn the page to it. Man, there. <laughs> There's some real truth to that. I mean, real truth to that. And, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, the time slip is is better than just, you know, something on your phone. A book is something, you know, better than a Kindle thing or whatever it might be. And, yeah, there's something about holding it. That is uh, very, very true. Yeah, very true. So you also asked kind of about what they what track operators have to do for setup. Yeah. And I mean, what, you know there's various things they should do like month to month. Like it's important to check the sensors, make sure you don't have a chipmunk deciding that he wants to build a home in one of the sensor holes. Um, If you live in a humid climate, uh, climate uh, treating the sensors so that they don't fog up is important. And all these things really affect our times on the track. You know, if you have a sensor that's fogged up, it's kind of like wearing foggy glasses. You know, you can't see as well mm-hmm. if your glasses are fogged. Um, and the same thing with the sensor. You know, it's basically just an eye, and it can't see if it's if there's something obstructing it. Right. And, I mean, some of these problems, you know, that we see, you know, and people are questioning the timing system, some, some problems arise as the day goes on. You know, there was nothing the track operator could have done to really prevent it beforehand, no maintenance that really could have caught, you know, like if a chipmunk just decides to run through one of the holes, I mean, there's really not much a track operator is going to do except try to get rid of it once it happens. Yeah, but there are other things that, you know, can be done beforehand. Um, One of them, like the most critical part of the system, I would say are the sensors though, like the sensors, are what relays the information back to the timing system. So if the sensors aren't set up right, like the timing system can't, you know, time accurately. Yeah. Well, it's it's so fascinating to me because I, I just don't think, you know, uh, certainly we've had tremendous technological advances in, um, you know, materials for, you know, so we can make higher horsepower engines and make them last a little bit longer. And certainly we've had talented people to work on, cars and make new designs and things like that to go faster but but all of that is kind of mute if we don't have a timing system to to measure those advancements and so i think it's kind of an unsung hero of our sport is these timing systems and um i'm just curious where i mean technology all always advances so i mean do you have a thought on where we go next with uh, the timing systems and what what the next major breakthrough is for these or does it just get better and more reliable so i think that um, better and more reliable is definitely one way it's going um but you know timing system features 
get added all the time. I mean, look at True Start. I mean, that's a new feature, uh, an idea that was around forever. And um, basically, it just never was incorporated for whatever reason. And now, you know, it finally, after all these years, has been incorporated into the systems. So I think it's more going to be features, you know, that are improving things that maybe we hadn't thought of before and just rethinking with today's technology. Hey, now that the technology's improved this way, we can do this. So that's where I see it going. No, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And then, um, yeah, that's, that's good. I, I personally hate true start. So, um, I hope that (laughs) goes away, but, but I understand there's a, that's that's definitely a different conversation for another time, but, uh, right. But, um, no, that's, that's really great. point. uh, Yeah. That's the truth of all technology though. It's like, you know, things get added in all the time and, some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. But I, I really think that is the future of timing systems is just the features are going to change. The accuracy, I think, is where it needs to be to time. But obviously, if the cars get very much faster, we'll need to go, get even more accurate. Yeah. But that's more we have to wait and see. I know they're trying to limit the speed of the fuel cars. Um, and right now, they're kind of what define what the accuracy of the timing system needs to be. So unless we start getting much faster than fuel cars, the timing system can kind of stay where it is That in that respect. Gotcha. Well, do you think, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the fuel cars probably aren't going much faster. I, mean, I don't know how much faster a human should be going in that scenario, yeah. but... Uh, but I, I do right. think we've, you know, I, mean, I don't know, we've, uh, that seems like uh, kind of the upper limits to me. But, um, but I, I do think we've got other things like electric cars coming into play. I'm guessing that probably messes with the timing system just a little bit. So you've probably got that to deal with, um, you know, all kinds of these things, uh, you know, just different environmental issues that the systems have to deal with. And we just take it for granted as a racer. We just show up and it's supposed to work. But I, I know that there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, there's a lot of factors. Um, you guys can rest assured if you race on one of our systems, we have plenty of noise protection. So um, whether it's a magneto of a top fuel car or the engine noise of a electric vehicle, you know, you should be good to go. But I mean, there are a lot of factors believe it or not probably the noisiest thing at a drag strip is the pa system and you know if if someone doesn't know what they're doing and puts a pa wire too close to a timing wire you can get some really weird stuff happening but i mean that's why i mean a lot of this goes into the the design of drag strips it's thought of way before like the track even opens and you even get there so like not something you should worry about (laughs) yeah well that's i you learn something new every day, and I would have never had any thought about the PA system interrupting the timing system. So I'm going to count that as something I learned for sure today. Um, that That's great stuff. Well, um, how do we get a hold of what's the best way to, you know, if I, if I want to just make my reaction time better, I want to practice, or if I'm a track operator, I need a whole new system. What's, what's the best way to get a hold of uh, you or, or one of your um, teammates at Portatree? Yeah, so if you want to give us a call, um, the best number to reach me at is 508-278-2189, extension 8. And if you want to email me or email us, um, 
you can keep it real simple, portertree at portertree.com. Um, that will get, get your message to us and we can help you out. That's great. That's great. That, you know, I, I want to have you back on at some other point. Um, but, uh, you know, at this point, I just want to thank you for coming on, um, walking through, I think one of the unsung heroes of our sport, um, and appreciate your contributions. And then I wish you well on, uh, I don't know, it's not a victory tour this summer, but, um, you know, like just to enjoy your time, uh, going out there as a, as a world champion. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And um, if any of your listeners have questions, you know, stuff comes up, just send me an email with all the questions and I can get you the answers or, you know, we can talk again, whichever is easier. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. The, in, our listeners are great about that. So uh, be prepared for um, those emails and calls. Uh, I love it. They're, they're great from that standpoint. But guys, girls, that <laughs> was the great Allison Dahl from Portatree Timing Systems, if you need her. As we hit the mile per hour cone, we've got a couple things to talk about. First of all, the NHRA canceled all the divisional banquets. And I understand where the association is coming from on this one. The Rona Omicron is coming back again. Um, I, I, I understand um, why they did this. I do not like the precedent that it sets as it gets people out of the habit of going to the banquet. Certainly, I do not want to be the one making that decision. Um, it is not an easy one to make, but no one truly knows the sacrifice of the time, energy, and money it takes to earn those points all season long. And quite simply, and I don't care what level you're talking about, if it's the national event, the divisional, if it's a, a bracket guy at his, his home track series, I don't care. Um, those points are hard come by and it takes all season long. And um, quite simply, that event um, is as much for the guy or girl wearing the helmet as it is for all the support cast that go into helping that driver all season long. It is a chance to really look back and appreciate all the effort because we know it is not always easy. That night is earned. And I'm very hopeful that this does not create, you know, um, an out to not have these banquets moving forward. Um, I think it's very important to continue to have those. And so obviously not happy and not like a lot of you and not happy that those divisional banquets are canceled. Um, understand the situation. Hopefully we can get past this and have those again next year. But I don't like the precedence that sets in that it gets people out of the habit of celebrating what is rightfully a reason to celebrate. Speaking of that, the second thing we have to talk about is Gloria. Um, we have long since used that as um, the theme song. And as we know, I mean, what is not to like about the sweet, sweet sounds of Lori Brannigan bringing us Gloria, but producer Chris is going to mix it up a little bit this year. He's going to be mixing in some other tunage. Sometimes it's going to be fantastic. Sometimes it is, ooh, we're just going to have to deal with it. Uh, but we need, we probably want to hear what you think as well. So send your requests. Um, 
you know, to producer Chris or to the show. But it is all about living it this year. There is no regrets. It is about going all out. Tomorrow is promised to no one. And that is what is going to be playing us out of every episode this season, all season long. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other line. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 91. And there it is. There's the wind light. Woo, got it again. Producer Chris killing it. Heck yes, we had a great week this week. Uh, yes, indeed. Woo! Um, guys, girls, we killed it this week. We had great guests on. We had Steve Kasner. He's a top dragster standout and an all-around potster who got himself podcast certified. So that means we like potsters around here. We do like them. Uh, Jonathan Rogers came on to talk about the upcoming 11th annual pat rogers practice tree race and allison doll stock eliminator world champ and portatree timing system executive and expert came on they were all great guests um guys girls if you have comments questions or curse words for me you know there are three ways to get at me you can catch me on the facebook page messenger you can catch me in the shop working on the family truckster and you can use the email fast brackets at outlook.com. We changed it up this week. We got rid of Gloria and brought in a killer kickstart my heart. Nice work, producer Chris. Man, so good. Guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. So I hope it was a big hit, the new song, Kickstart My Heart. Chris, you killed it. You killed it with that song. I mean, that is the ultimate drag racing song. I mean, it even talks about a top fuel funny car in the song. The video is pure drag racing. And I bet 25% of racers in general, when they get strapped in, they have that song playing in their head. Nicely done, man. Now, it was a, I will say this. It was a tough chore for you to find something better than Gloria. It Man, was. Wait, nicely done. Nicely done, brother. Um, yeah, we might have a couple other ideas up our sleeves. We'll say, see. Man, like you, you've got a long year ahead of you um, in trying to come up with, uh, you know, show theme music for each uh, episode. And I know that you'd welcome suggestions, but uh, you started the year off right the 80s and 90s are full of all kinds of good stuff. Man, this show was awesome this week. Uh, some great interviews. Some good stuff going on. Uh, uh, so just excited to hear all about Allison's um, big win and everything they got going on at Portatree. 
And then uh, Steve Kastner did not disappoint. That's for darn sure. No, the Kazman was great, and Allison was um, unbelievable as well. Yeah, we started the year uh, off really well in episode 91 in the books, baby. episode was brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer manufacture and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality and superior on-track performance Think AFCO Racing Products.